your Bibles, turn to Joshua, Joshua chapter 23. We're kind of wrapping up our Unstuck series, and this idea is this, uh, today is the power of together. And I want you to think about um, really what, uh, what I would say would be, when you look at it, how together people can accomplish things in a great way. You know, last week we remembered September 11th. If you remember anything about September 11th, um, you know, obviously the terrorist attacks and things like that. But one of the things about September 11th, 2001 is what it did to the United States and what it did for the people uh, within America, because there was this renewal. There was this together, we can take on these things. We can take on the enemies. We can take on the foes. And there was this unity that came about as a result of the country. But as I've looked at, and as we looked at this, uh, this, this series being unstuck, and we've looked at really the life of Joshua, the life of the Israelites as they moved into the promised land, I want you to think about everything that they experienced together, right? And as you think about that, I kind of am reminded, like if you know anything about Hebrews or the book of Hebrews, in chapter 11, there's what we call the hall of, of faith or the hall of fame of faith. In other words, these people who by faith walked in obedience and the Lord rewarded them. And, and there's some great, uh, some great stories in there as you go and read Hebrews chapter 11. And one of the things that we see in, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so e- easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us and let us fix our eyes on Jesus who's the author and perfecter of our faith and so as we've talked today about this idea to continue to get unstuck and this idea of what it means to be a church and a people that are are powerful together that we work together that we come together in in unity around the purposes that God has set up for us in unity around the cross of Christ in unity under the banner of Jesus first and foremost, that we can do amazing things as a result of that. So we're going to unpack that. We've been looking at this life of Joshua, the Israelite people, as they moved out of the wilderness. Uh, we saw that faith takes courage, right, to move forward into the unknown. Matter of fact, if you remember Joshua chapter 1, he says, be strong and courageous. He says, Joshua, I'm going to tell you this multiple times in the first nine verses of Joshua chapter one. He says to be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous over multiple opportunities for various reasons, but we've got to follow God's lead. And so this whole idea of being unstuck was to move from immaturity to maturity or in the idea or reality is this, to say that we want to move from the mundane or the monotonous, Right? When you start to go through the motions, let's be real, no matter what, I mean, marriage with your kids, even in your spiritual walk, after a while, they're just things that you slowly become what? They become monotonous, the day in and day outs. We don't take in the joy. We don't think about what God's given us. We oftentimes overlook those things and we take for granted what the Lord has done. And I believe what we see in the people of Israel was that they had gotten used to the monotonous, right? 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, okay? Now, if you think about that, right? If I was to say you're gonna have 40 years of a desert experience in your marriage, you'd be like, why get married, right? It's, it's going to be dry. It's going to be boring. It's going to be the same old, same old every day, day in, day out. Or you might look at that and if I'd say, hey, you're going to have this experience in your, in your spiritual life. For 40 years, you're going to walk through what you would say would be monotonous or boring to a certain extent. You may say, well, why even continue? What I want us to look at today is this, 
that I believe it's in the monotonous and the mundane things that God wants to work in great ways. And it's the consistency of seeing God's faithfulness played out day in and day out that leads us to walk with faith. See, God's people accomplish great things when they walk together obediently. That's what we see as we've looked at the book of Joshua. We have seen that when God's people walked obediently and faithfully, that they were to accomplish great things. When they walked or when they had disobedience within the camp, we also saw last week that when disobedience rises up, right, there's great agony within the people of Israel. And I believe likewise, that's the way it plays out in the church. See, God is faithful in keeping his promises and God takes sin seriously. So Joshua chapter 23, we're going to break this down into sections. We're going to read it in three separate areas. If you have your Bibles, follow along. Joshua chapter 23, starting in verse 1, says this, After a long time had passed, and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua, by then old and well advanced in years, in other words, for some of us here in the church, you're getting about that age. (laughs) Okay? Joshua's gotten older. He's well advanced in years. He summoned all of Israel. So Joshua's getting older. He's, he's moving into to, to, to really leading towards his death. And he summons all of Israel, um, their elders, their leaders, judges, and officials. And he said to them, I'm old and well advanced in years. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord, who, the Lord your God who fought for you. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain, the nations I conquered between the Jordan and the great sea in the west. The Lord your God himself will drive them out of your way. He will push them out before you, and you will take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised you. Here's what I want to do today as we talk about this idea of of, of, of having power together and what is going to happen, I believe, as a result when the church walks. Listen, not following all of the Lord or all of the Lord and what the Lord has said is disobedience. It's important for us to understand that. That like if I am disobedient just in a small, minute area, it's disobedience, Right? But yet if I walk in obedience, then God says he's faithful. He's going to reward us. He's going to bless us. We see that all throughout the book of Joshua, but we really in reality see it all throughout scripture that when I walk obediently, that God says, I will bless you. Now, I always clarify this because a lot of times people have heard maybe some TV evangelists and things like that, that when I say that, that doesn't necessarily mean earthly riches, okay? okay. We got to get that. Everybody understand that, right? And when we talk about this idea of the Lord blessing me as I walk in obedience, it does not mean that health and wealth gospel. It does not mean that means I'm going to be rich and loaded with all kinds of money. If I'm really faithful, I'll be driving a Rolls Royce, right? Because I don't see anybody driving a Rolls Royce today. Okay? That does not mean that. What it means is that God is going to bless your life. And that's what I'm talking about between the blessing and monotony. See, a lot of times we look at monotonous and we look at the day in, day outs, and we go, oh my gosh, it's just a repeating thing. It's Groundhog Day over and over and over again. And it's the monotonous things that sometimes are the blessings that God has given us because it's his faithfulness lived out daily in our life. 
that as the Lord provides, as the Lord gives, that we stop looking for all these quote-unquote huge victories that other people may see in their life, and we start to walk in faithfulness day in and day out. So here's the big idea for today. If you remember anything, I want you to remember this. When God's people obey Him in all things, they walk under God's authority and experience God's blessing. They walk under God's authority. Now, there's a key word there that I want us all to understand. Under, not over, right? Anybody ever been in that situation where you feel like God is like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead you there. And you're like, oh, God, I got this, right? Like, I'm, I'm going to operate in the pilot seat for right now, God. You just kind of sit in the co-pilot seat, right? And I think in some way, shape, or form, all of us have been there at some time. Like, God, are you sure? Are you sure you're calling me to this? Because I'm pretty sure that I'm not really rest necessarily ready to go in that direction. God, are you sure you want me to do that? Are you sure you want me to speak to this person? Are you sure you want me to live out this way? When God's people obey him in all things, not some, not a little, but all things, they walk under God's authority and they experience God's blessings. And so here's uh, what, what I want you to see today. Number one, as we walk through this idea of being unstuck and, and, and learning what it means to have the power of together, the power of moving forward, I want us to see this, that we have to remember the Lord's goodness. If you look at verse 3 and 4, he says, you yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done. Now keep in mind the context of what's going on with Joshua, okay? Joshua and the spies, right? Joshua, Caleb, and the 10 other spies that were sent out were sent from the area that's the wilderness, right, to go into the promised land, to spy it out, and to, 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 to basically make a report to the people. Joshua and Caleb come back. They say, hey, let's go take the land. The other 10 spies say, no way, we're not going to do it. Can't move forward. These people are huge. They're, they're, they're like grasshoppers. We're like grasshoppers in their eyes. They're going to kill us. Okay, so as a result, the people wander in the wilderness for 40 years. That is where you're going to read things like this. If you were to read uh, the end of Exodus into Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, there's the wandering aspect of what's going on. And you'll see God at work in his people's lives with faithfulness, even in the midst of their doubting and the disobedience. And then Joshua comes along again. After 40 years of wandering, Joshua comes along. Joshua's to lead the people into the promised land across the Jordan. He leads them across the Jordan. They see all kinds of victories, right? I mean, think about the first victory. We covered this a couple weeks ago. Joshua and them are told to lead the people, right? They're going to follow the ark of the Lord. In other words, where the Lord leads, the people are going to follow. And as soon as the priests who are carrying the ark touch the water, the water stops, it's built up. They cross across all of them on dry ground. And then the river begins to flow again, right? They face the walls, the impenetrable walls of the city of Jericho, and the Lord miraculously delivers that to where the walls of Jericho fall and the people are delivered, right? And then as a result of disobedience, we looked at last week, one man led to the downfall of the people of Israel because of his disobedience and not following God in all things. And what he's saying here in chapter 23 is this, Joshua is about to come to the end of his life. They have walked into this area. They have fought. They have battled. They have been given land. There's still land to be 
to, to, to be taken over, but Joshua has seen this and he's telling the people, here's the deal. In order to move forward in obedience, in order to experience the power of God together, you've got to remember the Lord's goodness. Every point in time we see along that, whether it's crossing the Red Sea, crossing the Jordan, the walls of Jericho fall, they set up the, 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 the altar, the monument after crossing the Jordan was the idea that you remember the faithfulness of God. You remember the Lord's goodness. And here's where I would begin to say in our lives, we have to begin to look. We live in an oversensitized negative world. Everything's negative. Like, whether it's news, right? News doesn't report positive for the most part. They report negative. It's always the bad things, right? That's why everybody who watches news ends up getting mad and disgruntled and wanting to fight with everybody else, <laughs> okay? News is negative. And what, what, what Joshua's trying to say here is this. Listen, you're gonna be surrounded by negativity from all of the other countries, all the other inhabitants of these nations that are around you, and you've gotta remember the Lord's goodness because there's gonna be times where you're gonna face an enemy and you're gonna have to walk through difficult seasons, and if you don't remember God's goodness, you're gonna focus on the negativity. And that is a problem with mundane, monotonous Christianity is we don't think about God's deliverance through Jesus on the cross, and we don't think about the positive things that he's done for us because he forgives us of our sins and he died and paid the price we couldn't pay, we begin to focus on the negative things and go, God, where were you at yesterday? Why didn't you answer this prayer? Why didn't you deliver my friend? Why didn't, do you see what ends up happening? The monotonous becomes overwhelming or the mundane becomes overwhelming because we forget the Lord's goodness, we forget his faithfulness. And yet what we see in the book of Hebrews and what we see all throughout the New Testament is this, that God is faithful, that God provides, that God's promises will never fail. Like when you think about this, right? We just sang that song, Do It Again. Like God wants to deliver you from the mountains. God wants to deliver you through and over those mountains, those obstacles that seem so impossible. See, when I sit down, I love to tell stories. Stories of the past, right? All you got to do is sit down with me for a little bit. I guarantee I'll probably tell you a story. <laughs> right? Everybody's laughing. Who knows, right? Because I'm going to tell you a story. And if you tell me a story, it's probably going to remind me of another story. We're going to have all kinds of great stories, right? <laughs> like, and I think about it this way, though. My wife will tell you like when me and my buddies who play baseball in college together get together, it's like reliving the glory days, right? We tell all the same stories like, you remember when? Oh yeah, I remember. No, nobody can forget that, right? But Joshua is trying to remind the people of the good stories that went on in the past and saying, listen, remember those times because that's what you got to remember to move forward in faithfulness when God wants to deliver you. Keep in mind, listen. They have gone into the land. They have started dividing out the land based upon tribes. If you were to read the book of Joshua, you continue to see that. And they're getting to 23, and most of it's been divided out, but yet there's still some to be dealt with. And Joshua's trying to say this. Listen, you still have more to do in front of you. God has been faithful in the past. Remember the goodness of the Lord so that you can move into maturity where God wants to take you. And that's exactly what he wants to do. And so my question to you today based upon that is this, where has God been good to you in the past? 
and remember that. First and foremost, I would say in salvation, if you have never put your faith and trust in Christ, this is a chance where you can say the goodness of God is faithful here because Jesus' death on the cross was for your sins, for my sins, for the sins of the world, and it's evident for all. It's available for all. That is the goodness of Jesus. That is the goodness, the Lord's goodness that he, he gives. See, listen, Joshua witnessed the power of the Lord working in the lives of the Israelite people in crossing the Jordan, in the deliverance in Jericho, the sin of the people, the conquering of the cities, west of the Jordan, the division of the land. He remembers all that. And listen, every problem that we face is a possibility. And every obstacle that we run into is an opportunity for God to show you his power and his deliverance, which, again, reminds us of his goodness. So when God's people obey him in all things, they walk under God's authority and experience God's blessing. And that's exactly what the people were finally experiencing. Now listen, they were experiencing it by being walked into the promised land. But I want you to also understand this, that those people who were back not walking into the promised land still experienced God's blessing. Because he, got, he gave them and provided for them, right? Daily. His provision was there and he guarded them and protected them. Even though they were wandering, there was still the Lord being faithful and just in all those things. So when God's people obey him in all things, listen, we walk under God's authority and we experience God's blessings. Here's number two I want you to see. And Joshua lays this out to his people. Keep in mind, Joshua's about to die. Matter of fact, it's roughly said that at this point, Joshua's probably near 110 years old. If you read Joshua 24, we know he dies at 110, right? But Joshua's coming to the end of his life. So you got to think about 45 years old when he goes into spies land, 40 years in the wilderness. So there now he's roughly 85 years old. And then 25 years of, of walking through what we'll say is the book of Joshua. And he's coming to the end of his life. And so he gives the challenge to these people. And here's what he says. Here's what number two is, right? That we have to be strong in the faith. If we want to be powerful together, we've got to remember the Lord's goodness, number one. Number two, we've got to be strong in the faith. This is what he says in verse six. He says, be very strong. Now, I got to clarify because we just talked about this earlier. If you read Joshua 1, there's, there's that statement like four times in Joshua 1, 1 through verse 9. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And he says it again. I, I say it again. Be strong and very courageous. And then he says this. Here we go. It's kind of like the bookend on this book. Be very strong. Be careful to obey. What does that say? What? All. Let me tell you what the Greek in all or, 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 or all means in Greek. It's all, right? Like, it's not, it's not rocket science. It's everything. It's every bit of it. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. So here is this idea. When God's people obey him in all things, they walk under God's authority. So he says that. Don't turn to the side, to the right or to the left. And then verse 7, it says, Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. Now here's what's going to be crazy. If we know the context of what's going on in Scripture, here's what ends up happening. 
Joshua tells them, listen, I don't want you to associate. In other words, it's this idea of intermingling, right? It's this idea of being unequally yoked. It's this idea. He's not saying you can't be friends with people who are lost, right? He's saying, listen, you don't allow the lost to completely mislead you in the direction of how you think, how you act, what you're going to do in all of those areas. What Joshua's beginning to do is to prepare the people, because here's what's going to be the downfall of the people of Israel later. It's called intermingling with those of other nations. It's the allowing the other nations to mislead them in religious beliefs or in biblical beliefs is what we could sit back and say, right? So the Lord was very specific. This is the direction we want to go. And this is exactly what goes on in our society today because we have Christians who say, yeah, I believe Jesus wholeheartedly, but listen, I'm not going to follow all of God's word because I believe there's multiple ways. There's multiple ways to heaven. I believe there's multiple religions that are right. I believe that Jesus, here's the problem. When you begin to go down the road that says, listen, all roads lead to home, then the sacrifice of Jesus means nothing. Because there was no reason for Jesus to die if everybody just is based upon how you feel in your heart and doing good things. There's no reason for Jesus' death. None whatsoever. Let alone his resurrection. So here's what Joshua was setting up for the people. You need to be aware of what's going on around you because the nations around you can mislead you if you begin to follow the things that they believe and teach and do. And this is the problem, I would say, oftentimes within the church in America. Because we want to say things like this. Oh, that's great. If it feels good, do it right? We have allowed in multiple, many churches have allowed that mentality or that ideology to creep in, and we haven't followed all of God's word. Listen to what he says again. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them, right? You must not serve them or bow down to them. In other words, no acts of worship, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. Keep in mind what I said. When God's people obey him in all things, they walk under God's authority. When you disobey him, you are no longer under the authority of God. You're under your own authority, which I believe is an open door for Satan to work over time. And nobody ever, I don't believe anybody sits down and goes, well, I just want to open that door. But he says you have to be very careful to obey. James says it this way, don't be mere hearers of the word, but become doers of the word as well. So I listen to the word, and as I live it out, as I listen to it, I live it out, and I'm active in my faith, because faith without, without actions is dead or useless. Listen, by faith, the people cross the Red Sea. By faith, they crossed the Jordan. By faith, they defeated Jericho. By faith, they moved into the promised land and took city after city. By faith, they're going to walk in obedience to what Joshua said. By faith, they divide out the land. By faith, they face the, 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 the difficulties that are still going on in the future. And yet, listen, it is so easy to turn to the right or to the left when we take our eyes off Jesus. It's called vision drift. Anybody ever had your car out of alignment? What happens when your car's out of alignment? Like, I just take my hands off the wheel for a little bit and what goes on, right? That's exactly what happens when we take our eyes off Jesus, right? 
When, when Hebrews chapter 12 says we fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus, what we do oftentimes is this. We're watching Jesus, watching Jesus. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, squirrel. <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about? It's drift. And we begin to drift. And when we begin to drift, we begin to walk away from what God's doing. We begin to say things like this. Well, it's just a little thing I'm disobedient in. It's not that big a deal. And while I can sit back and say, yeah, it's maybe not that big a deal to you or to me, keep in mind that the Lord sees it all and he accomplishes the things he wants to accomplish through people who are obedient, not disobedient. See, the power of together is this, that we be strong in the faith. And as I thought about this, I wanted to read Acts chapter 2 real quick because I think it's one of the things that we see. I'm not going to read all of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, says this. This is the idea of being strong in the faith. This is the early church. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Keep in mind, that would be the gospel, right? Talking about the good news of who Jesus is, what Jesus did, his death and burial and resurrection, his, his ascension, right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, in other words, to connecting with one another within the body of believers, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They were selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. And listen, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. There's a gathering that's taking place. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Listen, I could stand up here and I could tell you there's all kinds of crazy things going on in the world, right? But I want you to know this, that when we're under the authority of God and believing what he said, following him obediently with all things, I believe God does the supernatural work. And I have had people ask many times, man, wouldn't you love to be a part of the early church in X? Yeah, who wouldn't? But let me ask you, are you committed to being and doing what the early church in Acts did? Are you committed and desiring that type of fellowship to, to praying together, to breaking bread in everyone's homes, to being a person who's hospitable regardless of what you've dealt with, who says, I'm going to go out of my way to seek those who might be on the outskirts or the outside, to look for those who are in need of help, to, 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 to speak the truth of the gospel to those who have never heard it. See, this idea of being strong in the faith carries more than just knowing and having knowledge. Remember, faith without actions is dead. So are you willing to put your faith into actions? Even in the midst of our crazy, busy 40-hour work weeks or even more. See, together the church accomplishes much in faith, but when we try and do things on our own, we won't. But listen to what he says. He also says to be careful to allow or be careful to watch who you allow to influence you, right? And here's the reason why. Because what we see in the future is that the people of Israel are misled. They begin to chase after other gods. They begin to set up. Matter of fact, as you get into like Elijah and Elijah, there's a reason why Elijah took on the prophets of Baal. Because the Israelites were starting to intermingle with the prophets and people of Baal, and they were beginning to kind of go, oh yeah, we can put in a little bit of Baal with our, with our God thing, and, we, and we'll go that way. And Elijah's like, yeah, you guys, are, you guys are a wreck. 
And here's what's crazy. All throughout Scripture in the Old Testament, what you see is when a king was faithful, when the king led the way and said, we're going to chase after the Lord, the people walked in obedience. But when the king was unfaithful and the king began to intermingle with other nations and allow other nations' gods to come in and be king, then Israel falls apart. In other words, likewise, the church would be the same way. So, he says to be strong and faithful. And number three is this. We said, number one, remember the Lord's goodness. Number two, how do we, how do we go about working through the power of together? We have to be strong in the faith. And number three, we have to keep the Lord on the throne. Listen to what he says, starting in verse nine. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. There's the the statement, right? Matter of fact, there's a point in time in the New Testament where a a gentleman comes to Jesus. He says, what's the first and greatest commandment? What does Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as, as yourself. And he says, all the law and prophets hang on these two things. Now, keep that in mind. Because listen to what he says, be very strong, be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or left. What is the first and greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, soul and mind. So in other words, I keep the Lord on the throne. That I acknowledge my place and acknowledge the supremacy, the authority and the power of King Jesus. Because that is exactly how he wants to play it out. And as a matter of fact, we've got the famous verse that oftentimes people quote, right? In Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, he says, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the God your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that, but with this idea of keeping the Lord on the throne is just that. Is Jesus number one in your life? Listen, we all have faced struggles, difficulties. We've seen an increase in depression, anxiety, worry, and fear. Violence is on the rise. The, the political discord is almost intolerable amongst either uh, uh, side. And the reality is, is, I believe it's all a work of Satan. Right? Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for those to devour. And he's going to look in multiple ways and in many ways, whether it's politics, whether it's sexuality, whether it's, it's just the, the vengeance and hate-filled things, maybe it's anxiety and depression. Many have walked away from the church. Many have doubted God's goodness. Many begin to question his direction and his kindness. Many cast doubt and go, man, I don't even know that Jesus is real, that he didn't really die on the cross. But listen, here's what Joshua's trying to get through for us to know the power of together, that together we can work through all things as we walk in obedience. And listen, together we call each other out. Together we hold each other up. Together we hold the, the, the hands up just as, as Moses or uh, Abraham's hands were held up. Whoever's hands, I'm going brain dead. Sorry, I'm lecturing. But listen, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. And this is what I'm talking about. When God's people obey him in all things, they walk under God's authority, the power of the Spirit, and they experience God's blessings. His, the working of the Spirit in our life day in and day out. See, the power of God was given through the Spirit of God by the grace of God so that we would know and be that he would be known by the people of God. So here's the big idea as we wrap up. When God's people obey him in all things, we walk under the authority or God's authority and we experience God's blessing. And I believe this is the greatest thing. God's blessing for us, I believe, is the body of Christ. That's one of them. There's many blessings that take place, but I believe that the body of Christ, in other words, the bride of Christ, the church, is God's blessing for encouragement, for support, for prayer, in difficulties, in tough times, during trials, during storms, in joyous occasions and celebrations. That it's the body of Christ that accomplishes great things, listen, together. Together. Not separate. Not set apart from or estranged from the church, but together the body of Christ accomplishes great things things together. See, Joshua wraps up his life with that challenge. If you remember anything about this sermon series, I started off with the wrap-up of Moses' life, right? Moses gives the challenge in Deuteronomy chapter 34 to the people of Israel, and Joshua rises up to the occasion, right? And now Joshua's life has come to the end, and he gives the challenge to the people And he says basically this, that if you do these things, you will walk in the blessings of the Lord. But if you don't, matter of fact, if you were to read part of Joshua 23 that we didn't read, he says, if you don't, the Lord's hand will not be upon you. As a matter of fact, it says that his vengeance will come down upon the people of Israel. And listen, here's the crazy thing about context. Because we have the Bible, because we know history, We know that the Lord took his hand off the people of Israel because there were two separate times where the nation fell. The northern tribes fell, and then the southern tribes fell. In 722 BC, Samaria fell, the capital of the northern area, fell to the Assyrians. And they come in and they wipe everybody out. And then in 586 BC, the southern capital fell, Jerusalem, to the Babylonians. So as you read like the books of Daniel and things like that, all of a sudden Daniel makes sense because the Babylonians have come in and they have wiped out the southern tribes. And Daniel and them are all kept carried off to captivity. Because listen, the people of Israel did not walk in obedience under the authority of God and keep the king where he's supposed to be at. Instead, they decide to do it on their own. And here's, I believe, the challenge for us as a church We can walk one of two directions, and we always have to look at it from a personal standpoint and a corporate standpoint. First of all, I believe it's it's utmost importance that we walk in obedience in our personal lives, that we seek the Lord day in and day out. But number two, that we walk as a church obediently in the direction that we follow God's word, that we follow him day in and day out, that we pursue Jesus because he is the one that's on the throne before us. My question to you today is this. 
Do you operate in those three areas? Do you keep those things on your mind? Do you remember the goodness of the Lord? Do you walk by faith? And are you keeping Jesus on the throne? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your deliverance. We thank you for the hope that you offer. And Father, I think about how oftentimes we can get bogged down in the mundane and the monotonous because we just take it for granted. And God, I think that that's sometimes me, that I take for granted the death of Jesus on the cross for my sins. Maybe at times it's because I compare myself to other people. Maybe at times it's because I I think maybe I deserved it for some reason when the reality is I didn't. That your word says that all our righteousness is like filthy rags. So Lord, may we be a people who pursue you. Can we remember your goodness, your deliverance, the things that you have done, what you have delivered us from. And maybe today there's somebody who would say, I've never been delivered from my sins. I've never turned my life over to him. I've never by faith accepted and acknowledged Jesus. I haven't taken that step into the river. Maybe it's just today them pursuing you and putting their faith and trust that Jesus' death on the cross was for their sins, for your sins today. And God, may we walk by faith, following all of your word, not swerving to the right or to the left, but being obedient to what you have called us to do. And I say this, Jesus, you are on the throne. We just read it earlier in the book of Psalms, but you sit at the right hand of the Father. You are exalted above everything, that all things exist by you and through you. And that someday you will come back. We don't know the time or the hour, but we know it because you promised it. So Lord, we pray. We pray that you would have your way today. It's in Jesus' name, amen.